Chapter Twelve of *The Scarecrow of Oz* by L. Frank Baum. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Twelve: The Wooden-Legged Grasshopper. Now it so happened that Trot, from the window of her room, had witnessed the meeting of the lovers in the garden, and had seen the king come and drag Gloria away. The little girl's heart went out in sympathy for the poor princess, who seemed to her to be one of the sweetest and loveliest young ladies she had ever seen, so she crept along the passages, and from a hidden niche saw Gloria locked in her room. The key was still in the lock, so when the king had gone away, followed by Googly Goo, Trot stole up to the door, turned the key, and entered. The princess lay prone upon a couch, sobbing bitterly. Trot went up to her and smoothed her hair and tried to comfort her. "'Don't cry,' she said. "'I've unlocked the door so you can go away any time you want to.' <laughs> "'It isn't that,' sobbed the princess. I, "'I am unhappy because they will not let me love Pon, the gardener's boy.' "'Well, never mind.' Pon isn't any great shakes, anyhow, seems to me," said Trot soothingly. There are lots of other people you can love. Gloria rolled over on the couch and looked at the little girl reproachfully. Pon has won my heart, and I can't help loving him," she explained. Then, with sudden indignation, she added, "But I'll never love Googly Goo, never, as long as I live." I should say not," replied Trot. "Pon may not be much good, but old Googly is very, very bad. Hunt around, and I'm sure you'll find someone worth your love. You're very pretty, you know, and almost everyone ought to love you." "You don't understand, my dear," said Gloria as she wiped the tears from her eyes with a dainty lace handkerchief bordered with pearls. When you are older, you will realize that a young lady cannot decide whom she will love, or choose the most worthy. Her heart alone decides for her, and whomsoever her heart selects, she must love, whether he amounts to much or not. Trot was a little puzzled by this speech, which seemed to her unreasonable, but she made no reply, and presently Gloria's grief softened, and she began to question the little girl about herself and her adventures. Trot told her how they had happened to come to Jinxland, all about Cap'n Bill and the Ark and Pessim and the Bumpy Man. While they were thus conversing together, getting more and more friendly as they became better acquainted, in the council chamber the King and Googly Goo were talking with the Wicked Witch. This evil creature was old and ugly. She had lost one eye and wore a black patch over it, so the people of Jinxland had named her Blinky. Of course, witches are forbidden to exist in the land of Oz, but Jinxland was so far removed from the center of Ozma's dominions, and so absolutely cut off from it by the steep mountains and the bottomless gulf, that the laws of Oz were not obeyed very well in that country. So there were several witches in Jinxland, who were the terror of the people, 
but King Cruel favored them and permitted them to exercise their evil sorcery. Blinky was the leader of all the other witches, and therefore the most hated and feared. The king used her witchcraft at times to assist him in carrying out his cruelties and revenge, but he was always obliged to pay Blinky large sums of money or heaps of precious jewels before she would undertake an enchantment. This made him hate the old woman almost as much as his subjects did, but today Lord Googly Goo had agreed to pay the witch's price, so the king greeted her with gracious favor. "'Can you destroy the love of Princess Gloria for the gardener's boy?' inquired His Majesty. The wicked witch thought about it before she replied. "'That's a hard question to answer. I can do lots of clever magic, but love is a stubborn thing to conquer. When you think you've killed it, it's liable to bob up again as strong as ever. I believe love and cats have nine lives. In other words, killing love is a hard job, even for a skillful witch. But I believe I can do something that will answer your purpose just as well. What is it? asked the king. I can freeze the girl's heart. I've got a special incantation for that. And when Gloria's heart is thoroughly frozen, she can no longer love Pon. Just a thing, exclaimed Googly Goo, and the king was likewise much pleased. They bargained a long time as to the price, but finally the old courtier agreed to pay the wicked witch's demands. It was arranged that they should take Gloria to Blinky's house the next day to have her heart frozen. Then King Cruel mentioned to the old hag the strangers who had that day arrived in Jinxland, and said to her, I think the two children, the boy and the girl, are unable to harm me, but I have a suspicion that the wooden-legged man is a powerful wizard. The witch's face wore a troubled look when she heard this. If you are right, she said, this wizard might spoil my incantation and interfere with me in other ways. So it will be best for me to meet this stranger at once and match my magic against his to decide which is the stronger. All right, said the king. Come with me and I will lead you to the man's room. Googly Goo did not accompany them, as he was obliged to go home to get the money and jewels he had promised to pay old Blinky. So the other two climbed several flights of stairs, and went through many passages, until they came to the room occupied by Cap'n Bill. The sailor-man, finding his bed soft and inviting, and being tired with the adventures he had experienced, had decided to take a nap. When the wicked witch and the king softly opened his door and entered, Cap'n Bill was snoring with such vigor that he did not hear them at all. Blinky approached the bed, and with her one eye anxiously stared at the sleeping stranger. "'Ah,' she said in a soft whisper, "'I believe you are right, King Cruel. The man looks to me like a very powerful wizard.' but by luck I have caught him asleep. So 
I shall transform him before he wakes up, giving him such a form that he will be unable to oppose me. Careful, cautioned the king, also speaking low. If he discovers what you are doing, he may destroy you, and that would annoy me because I need you to attend to Gloria. But the wicked witch realized as well as he did that she must be careful. She carried over her arm a black bag, from which she drew several packets carefully wrapped in paper. Three of these she selected, replacing the others in the bag. Two of the packets she mixed together, and then she cautiously opened the third. "'Better stand back, your majesty,' she advised, "'for if this powder falls on you, you might be transformed yourself.' The king hastily retreated to the end of the room. As Blinky mixed the third powder with the others, she waved her hands over it, mumbled a few words, and then backed away as quickly as she could. Cap'n Bill was slumbering peacefully, all unconscious of what was going on. Poof! A great cloud of smoke rolled over the bed and completely hid him from view. When the smoke rolled away, both Blinky and the King saw that the body of the stranger had quite disappeared, while in its place, crouching in the middle of the bed, was a little gray grasshopper. One curious thing about this grasshopper was that the last joint of its left leg was made of wood. Another curious thing, considering it was a grasshopper, was that it began talking, crying out in a tiny but sharp voice, "'Here, you people! What do you mean by treating me so? Put me back where I belong at once, or you'll be sorry!' The cruel king turned pale at hearing the grasshopper's threats, but the wicked witch merely laughed in derision. Then she raised her stick and aimed a vicious blow at the grasshopper, but before the stick struck the bed the tiny hopper made a marvelous jump, marvelous indeed, when we consider that it had a wooden leg. It rose in the air and sailed across the room and passed right through the open window, where it disappeared from their view. "'Good!' shouted the king. We are well rid of this desperate wizard. And then they both laughed heartily at the success of the incantation, and went away to complete their horrid plans. After Trot had visited a time with Princess Gloria, the little girl went to Button Bright's room, but did not find him there. Then she went to Cap'n Bill's room, but he was not there because the witch and the king had been there before her. So she made her way downstairs and questioned the servants. They said they had seen the little boy go out into the garden some time ago, but the old man with the wooden leg they had not seen at all. Therefore Trot, not knowing what else to do, rambled through the great gardens, seeking for Button Bright or Cap'n Bill, and not finding either of them. This part of the garden which lay before the castle was not walled in, but extended to the roadway, and the path was open to the edge of the forest. So, after two hours of vain search for her friends, the little girl returned to the castle. But at the doorway a soldier stopped her. "'I live here,' said Trot, "'so it's all right to let me in. The king has given me a room.' 
"'Well, he has taken it back again,' was the soldier's reply. "'His Majesty's orders are to turn you away if you attempt to enter. I am also ordered to forbid the boy, your companion, to again enter the King's castle.' "'How about Captain Bill?' she inquired. "'Why, it seems he has mysteriously disappeared,' replied the soldier, shaking his head ominously. "'Where he has gone to, I can't make out. But I can assure you he is no longer in this castle. I'm sorry, little girl, to disappoint you. Don't blame me. I must obey my master's orders.' Now, all her life, Trot had been accustomed to depend on Cap'n Bill, so when this good friend was suddenly taken from her, she felt very miserable and forlorn indeed. She was brave enough not to cry before the soldier, or even to let him see her grief and anxiety, but after she was turned away from the castle, she sought a quiet bench in the garden, and for a time sobbed as if her heart would break. It was Button Bright who found her at last, just as the sun had set, and the shades of evening were falling. He also had been turned away from the king's castle when he tried to enter it, and in the park he came across Trot. "'Never mind,' said the boy. "'We can find a place to sleep.' "'I want Cap'n Bill,' wailed the girl. "'Well, so do I,' was the reply, "'but we haven't got him. Where do you suppose he is, Trot?' "'I don't suppose anything. He's gone, and that's all I know about it.' Button Bright sat on the bench beside her, and thrust his hands in the pockets of his knickerbockers. Then he reflected somewhat gravely for him. "'Cap'n Bill isn't around here,' he said, letting his eyes wander over the dim garden. "'So we must go somewhere else if we want to find him. Besides, it's fast getting dark.' And if we want to find a place to sleep, we must get busy while we can see where to go. He rose from the bench as he said this, and Trot also jumped up, drying her eyes upon her apron. Then she walked beside him out of the grounds of the king's castle. They did not go by the main path, but passed through an opening in a hedge, and found themselves in a small but well-worn roadway. Following this for some distance along a winding way, they came upon no house or building that would afford them refuge for the night. It became so dark that they could scarcely see their way, and finally Trot stopped and suggested that they camp under a tree. "'All right,' said Button Bright. "'I've often found that leaves make a good warm blanket. But look here, Trot. Isn't that a light flashing over yonder?' "'It certainly is, Button Bright. Let's go over and see if it's a house. Whoever lives there couldn't treat us worse than the king did.' To reach the light they had to leave the road, so they stumbled over hillocks and brushwood, hand in hand, keeping the tiny speck of light always in sight. They were rather forlorn little waifs, outcast in a strange country, and forsaken by their only friend and guardian, Cap'n Bill. So they were very glad when finally they reached a small cottage and, looking in through its one window, saw Pon, the gardener's boy, sitting by a fire of twigs. As Trot opened the door and walked boldly in, Pon sprang up to greet them. 
They told him of Cap'n Bill's disappearance and how they had been turned out of the king's castle. As they finished the story, Pon shook his head sadly. King Cruel is plotting mischief, I fear, said he, for today he sent for old Blinky, the wicked witch, and with my own eyes I saw her come from the castle and hobble away toward her hut. She had been with the king and Googly Goo, and I was afraid they were going to work some enchantment on Gloria so she would no longer love me. But perhaps the witch was only called to the castle to enchant your friend, Cap'n Bill. Can she do that? asked Trot, horrified by the suggestion. I suppose so, for old Blinky can do a lot of wicked magical things. What sort of enchantment could she put on Cap'n Bill? I don't know, but he has disappeared, so I'm pretty certain she has done something dreadful to him. But don't worry. If it has happened, it can't be helped. And if it hasn't happened, we may be able to find him in the morning." With this, Pon went to the cupboard and brought food for them. Trot was far too worried to eat, but Button Bright made a good supper from the simple food, and then lay down before the fire and went to sleep. The little girl and the gardener's boy, however, sat for a long time, staring into the fire, busy with their thoughts. But at last Trot, too, became sleepy, and Pon gently covered her with the one blanket he possessed. Then he threw more wood on the fire and laid himself down before it, next to Button Bright. Soon all three were fast asleep. They were in a good deal of trouble, but they were young, and sleep was good to them, because for a time it made them forget. End of chapter 12